0: Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into
1: your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
2: In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses.
3: But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit
4: experts,
0: Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody. And today, for our episode, we're going to talk about legal issues when selling your business and what to know legally about when you're buying or selling a business Legal is a big component when you're doing these transactions, and having the right legal partner is crucial. We've talked about it a lot. And today we have two great legal partners on the podcast to talk about their expertise and what to expect in a deal.
4: A legal partner is essential in a deal. A a, a lot of times when we're doing deals, uh, we talk about the deal killers and what kills a deal. And the wrong attorney could absolutely at least delay a deal or and cost you a lot of money because they don't exactly know what they're doing or they need to learn what they're doing on your dime. Uh, but they could actually kill the deal and they could be asking for unreasonable things in a deal uh, that don't belong there uh, just because of their inexperience or they're over, you know, listen, attorneys are not risk takers, right? So they're going to do everything they can to not have their client take risk, which is part of their job, but there's a balance there, right?
0: Right. And, and what we've talked about too is there's specialists. So just like doctors, there's specialists in law. And in this segment of law, there's Transactional attorneys and all they do for a living is help people in buy-sell transactions. So they know which of those risks are normal, which are abnormal, and can kind of guide you through the process. Uh, We've two experts on the show today. I interviewed Jonathan Langer with his Bicky and Associates out in Colorado. Um, they do all about 100 deals a year um, in the small to mid-sized business um, transaction size, which is great because we we talk about a lot, too, is when you're selecting the right attorney, if you can select somebody who has experience, think about all the risks and issues they've already navigated and all the kind of issues that they can solve for your deal. And then, Andy, you have a great interview, too.
4: I do. I have Deborah Carmen of Carmen Law, and she has been with us for, oh, probably 20 years, she probably doesn't want to talk about it, about how long she's been doing deals uh, with us. And she is great. I mean, just talk about the nuts and bolts of buying a business. So One of my biggest points to buyers and sellers who say, oh, do I really need an attorney to sell your business? On the sell side, you want an attorney to make sure that everything that you signed up for as an as a owner of a business is now <laughs> the buyer's problem. You know, they're absolutely, you're transferring those assets properly to the buyer. And then on the buy side, you want to make sure that you have properly transferred those, those, those assets to you uh, legally.
0: Right. And there's some representations and warranties that you're going to want included on both sides to make it clear that the buyer understands what was presented to them during the conversations about the deal and the seller understands what they've, presented to the buyer. It, it it is one of those things where people will ask me, you know, can I do a deal without an attorney and I say you can, you can do a deal without an attorney. It's not something I'd recommend. I'd actually, it's probably my number one deal team member that you have to have even above a broker. Um, It's just, there's a lot of moving pieces in a deal. And even like you said, Andy, transferring assets properly, if there's a seller note filing proper liens against the company um, for the seller to give them a little bit of protection, it's not as easy as just drawing up a sale contract.
4: Yeah, or the landlord making sure that you properly transfer the lease and most sellers are going to have to stay on the lease and you're going to want to have a hold harmless against that. And you're going to want to have a collateral assignment of the lease if you're the seller. So if the buyer doesn't pay the note that you have those th- that you get the lease uh, because the landlord could just take it from you. I mean, there's things that you want in a deal that you don't even think about uh that you want to make sure that you have the proper legal structure. And then you just talk about the buyer having the right structure in a corporation, S corp, LLC, all those kind of things. The, the, the CPA might give you some advice uh, there as well, but just making sure you have the proper structure going into a deal.
0: So we're, not attorneys at all, <laughs> but we work with a lot of attorneys. We have two of the best that we work with that are providing some great advice today. Um, and also like, I think that this is something to hiring an attorney for your deal is not a giant expense, especially when you look at the potential repercussions. So if you're in the middle of a deal, you're considering buying or selling, being properly represented selecting an attorney that has deal experience for the certain size companies that you're about to sell or buy is crucial. Um, But Deborah and Jonathan both provide some great insight. We'll also have their contact information in the show notes if you have further questions for them today.
4: Yeah, this is so worth listening to. If you're going to buy or sell a business, this is one of those episodes you definitely want to tune into. So let's get started.
0: Let's get to it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm, with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Welcome back, everybody. And today, as you know, we're talking about what you should legally know about selling your business. And we've already dove into the sell side a little bit. So now we're going to talk about if you're buying a business, what are some legal things that you need to know or legal opportunities you have? Um, and I have a great partner of ours, Jonathan Langer. He is a partner at Bicky and Associates in Colorado. They do a ton of deals with us. So Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks. Well, so first off, Jonathan, let's talk about like what kind of legal issues should buyers be prepared for when they're buying a business.
3: Yeah, um, there's a few different categories of, of issues that buyers should be aware of, um, and really, it's it's what their what their own structure looks like, um, issues with what they're stepping into with the seller. And then um, just the definitive documents for the transaction. So, you know, first, a buyer needs to make sure that they have their their own structuring house in order. And um, you're almost always going to be wanting to buy a business inside of a a newly formed company. Um, Typically, it's going to be a limited liability company. Um, Occasionally, people will use the corporate form. Um, And then, of course, there's the separate issue of of taxation, um, which you can choose corporate or, or pass through taxation inside of LLCs. Um, and then inside of your own entity structuring, is it, are, is it just a single individual who's going to own it? Or is it a few people who are all working together? Are there passive investors? Um, and really, the way you set up your structure will um, you know, be based a lot on, on some of those initial questions. Um, and then there's the further question of, is this a one-time purchase or um, is the buyer... Um, setting up a more complicated structure with a holding company and different branches underneath it. So um, that's one of the key areas. Um, A second one is the, is the seller structure. And, you know, typically in, In most deals, you're going to be buying just the assets of a business, so you're forming the buyers forming a new entity and uh, bringing the seller's assets over. So in that case, you know whether the seller's a corporation or a LLC and who owns it really doesn't matter as much. Um, Occasionally, I'll reason that you're taking over the company itself, in which case you need to do a much deeper dive into that area. Um, but another structure that you're stepping into with a seller is just how they've conducted their business. Um, do they have a lot of contracts? Are there, are there customer contracts? Are there supplier contracts? Um, are those easy to step into? Are they hard to step into? Um, so just the, the, the scope of the of the seller's legal arrangements um, with all the various parties they work with are going to matter. Uh, and then the third area um, and Probably the the, the one that, that I spend my most time on when I'm working with buyers is the definitive documents for the deal. Um, and there's uh you know, you're always gonna have your, your primary purchase agreement, you're probably gonna have a non-competition agreement, um, and just you know, what do those documents look like? What's in them? How robust do they need to be? What issues is a seller worried about? Um, how do you allocate risk in between between the buyer and the seller? Um, so there's, there's a lot of details that you can really, that you really need to dive into in your definitive documents. Um, and of course, when I'm talking to buyer clients, I, one of my initial questions is, what are the key parts of the business? What are you really worried about? What are the things that you think that we need to cover? Because I, I know generally what these documents should cover, but every time I always want to make sure that I'm, um, getting, you know, that I'm, that I'm working on the issues that the buyer cares about and covering the stuff that, that matters most to them.
0: Right. And we'll we'll dive into and to risk a little bit too and how to mitigate that. But I think a good point you bring up too is that, you know, there's multiple legal aspects in buying a business. And and even when you're talking about documents, like documents, not document. Like I think a lot of buyers go in and they think, oh, there's just the one purchase document. But depending on the deal and the structure, like you have to move different assets over. If there's a seller note, those are additional documents. So there's a lot more that goes into the actual legal documents drafting than just like one purchase agreement, right?
3: yeah that's true um the the initial document in most transactions is a letter of intent and that's where you're just figuring out the 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 bones of the deal um is there a fundamental agreement on, on on this transaction and then um the parties take that and draft a much more robust purchase agreement where you try to figure out all of the various issues in the transaction. And that the the asset purchase agreement is by far the biggest document in the transaction and the the, the most important. Um, But there are a number of other ancillary documents as well, as you mentioned, Um, a lot of transactions, especially where there's SBA financing have, um, a, a seller carry note that's part of it. And then there's the question of what sort of security do you have for that? Is there a personal guarantee, which can be a separate document? Is there a security agreement in the assets that have been transferred over? Uh, so there, that's often part of the document set. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned that you might have customer supplier contracts, so you'll need... Um, if it, depending on the complexity of assignment of those, that you'll need an assignment document with them or an assignment and assumption agreement. Um, of course, you're probably also stepping into a seller's lease. And so, you know, there's reviewing that whole lease agreement that the seller has or possibly negotiating a new one. And then, um, you know, other documents with the landlord as well. So, um, you know, even on a fairly simple transaction, there, there is a document set. Um, and then as, as transactions get more complicated, just the, the length and scope and breadth of all those documents and really the number of different documents you have can also increase.
0: Right. I mean, and it's a complicated process. Like you're memorializing an entire business in a single transaction. So there's a lot to take into account when you're doing the legal transfer. Let, let's talk about some of the risks and how buyers can best protect themselves from a legal standpoint. So what are, what are some of the biggest risks you've seen in buying a business and how have you been able to protect that um, through legal documents or through the asset purchase agreement for the buyer side?
3: The, the Buying a business can be risky, although obviously everybody wants to do everything they can to, to minimize that. Um, and so, you know, as, as, as an attorney, obviously I'm spending a lot of my time in the legal documents themselves and, and I'll get to that in a minute, but I think the number one way that a buyer can protect themselves from risk in a transaction is doing a deal with a seller who they trust. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's just some front end items of just of making sure that you, um, that you that you've met with the seller, that you believe they're doing a good job, that you trust that they've done the right thing, because um you know if stepping into a business that has issues is a whole lot worse than buying a totally clean business. And so and there's a lot that you can do just by you know as as a buyer using your experience and what you know in order to just initially vet the business and make sure that you're doing a deal with someone who you believe in. Um, and related to that, too, is a lot of upfront due diligence that a buyer wants to make sure that they've reviewed the financials and that they know what they say and that they have a general understanding of the business and that they know who the employees are and that somebody's not a major flight or competition risk. And so, um, the more a buyer understands about a business um, as you're going forward with the transaction, the more you can identify potential risks and protect yourself from them. Um, and so, it, I think in, in terms of risks that I've seen on transactions, um, we do a lot of deals in our law firm. Um, we've averaged closing over a hundred deals a year for the past few years. And the number of times that there's any issues post-closing is exceedingly small. So, um, 99 times out of a hundred, these just work and they're fine again, because probably the buyer has done, you know, trust the seller, the seller's a good person, um, and they've done their diligence. Um, Risks that have come up um, include, um, you, every so often you'll, you'll have an issue with, um, well, it's really in the broad category of, of amounts owed to third parties after closing. Um, so occasionally you'll have a business assume a, a retirement plan, like a 401k plan. Um, I had an issue that I saw where there was an, an underfunding of the 401k plan that, that had to get addressed. Um, occasionally on, on some businesses, you'll see underpayment of, of sales and use tax that, that doesn't come up very much. And, um, but when it does, the, the government wants to make sure it gets its money. So even if you set it up as an asset sale, um, unpaid taxes can attach to a buyer and not, another area where you can potentially have unpaid taxes. And this has been an issue of, of more significant enforcement recently, at least in Colorado is the distinction between independent contractors and employees mm-hmm. that many businesses over the past 10 or so years have used a lot of independent contractors in contexts where the state believes that they actually are employees. And when the, when the business pays over money to someone as an independent contractor and doesn't withhold, um, the social security and, and other key, and, and other key employment tax withholdings, um, you know, the obligation is actually on the employer to pay that over to the state. So you could have that, you could have an issue with, with misclassified employees come up that could be, uh, you know, significant liability after closing. Um, and so there's some structuring items that you can do to protect yourself against this type of thing. Um, one of them is, as a buyer, um, making sure that you have some money in your control that's owed to the seller after closing. Um, and most, most often in the main street and, um, business transaction space where there's SBA lending, there's going to be a note where the seller carries back a percentage of the purchase price. Um, and you know, that's, that's a often required for a loan, but B if, if a buyer owes a seller money, and then it turns out the seller owes that money, owes the money back to the buyer. Um, we often structure what's called a right of set off where, Um, If there is a legitimate liability that the buyer has incurred, that's, that's the seller's responsibility, that the buyer can just not pay that amount over under the note. Um, you know, occasionally with longer term notes, there's cash flow crunch issues with that, but that's a, a really good solution. Um, mm-hmm. another one that you'll often see on, on, on bigger deals and you start getting into the lower middle market would be, um, a hold back or an escrow. Um, but you really only see those on, on deals that you're starting to get over 5 million or so, just because with, with the structure, it just, it it, 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 typically doesn't work that way. Um, and a lot of sellers really prefer to not have a yeah. holdback, right? The seller wants to get their money up front and really the, 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 the promissory note, Serves as a similar function as a holdback, where it's an amount of money that the buyer owes to the seller under the purchase price that's not being paid right away. So, um, in the main street space, you're really calling that holdback. It's it's really categorized under the the promissory note.
0: Right. And I I think that's like, we talk a lot about is like, why would you use a seller note as a buyer if you don't need the money? And and I talk a lot about is like, it's not usually about needing the financing for the transaction. It's giving you some sort of control post-transaction if something were to happen with the business. And I think set-offs are a great way to solve for some of these risks that could come up in unpaid liabilities. I mean, you can also structure some of them to protect and risks if um, there's a big client concentration issue and that client leaves, um, you can do you can do setup uh, set but you can also do adjustable seller notes too, um, where it can be tied to the performance of the business after the fact. So seller notes give you a lot of flexibility, and your attorneys can really help. Um, your attorneys and your brokers can help structure structure and memorialize that deal for you. So great points to bring up, um, and I agree with you. There's so there there really is. So few deals in the main street space that that there are issues that come out. I think, um, you know, the news talks a lot about about these larger mega M and A deals, and and those deals always have issues after closing, right? But on the main street and small business deals, we rarely see um, issues, but. Kind of diving into that, we rarely see issues because people are usually well represented. um, And this isn't self-serving for us or Jonathan, you at all. But one thing we talk about on this podcast a lot is that if there's any advisor you need in a deal, it has to be an attorney. Um, But just like all advisors, attorneys are not created equal. And we've already talked a little bit about your office does over 100 deals a year. Um, We work with you guys very closely. The breadth of your experience in transactional law is Amazing, but if someone's looking to hire an attorney or an advisor for their buy side deal, like how would they select the best attorney for them for their deal?
3: And there's there, there's a few things that you should look for in your in your attorney as a buyer. Uh, the first, I believe, is, is subject matter expertise. When you're buying a business, you want to work with an attorney who knows how to buy and sell businesses, and it because it, it, it makes it, it a makes the process significantly more efficient that they've done this before. Um, but there's also a lot of a lot of issues of, around making sure that well when a, when a when a buyer comes to us, we have the expectation that they want to buy the business and that they want to do the deal. Um, and so and we've done so many deals that we you know know how to get to closing in a way that protects the buyer, and is reasonably and is reasonably efficient. So um, so you know having done a lot of deals, you know how to you you know what appropriate terms are, where to start, where to push, um, and it just really helps the deal get done. Um, and we've. Some of the biggest issues that we have is when we're on a transaction and someone else in the transaction is using an attorney who maybe specializes in litigation or in family law or estate planning. Um, And these are often smart people who are great attorneys, but they just don't have the reps in this space to um, start with documents that make sense or to revise documents in a way that's appropriate. Um, And there's also a big part of this is that there there are market terms for these transactions and maybe on occasion you'll have a deal that should be outside of market terms for whatever reason, but there's really some guardrails on um, what your documents should look like, what you should be asking for, what protections are reasonable, um, you know what what a seller should be ma- what what representations and warranties a seller should be making. Um, and, and an attorney with subject matter expertise who does a lot of these deals knows a good starting point, knows a fair ending point, and knows how to get there. Um, and if you if there's an attorney in a deal who doesn't know that stuff, um, you know I've on occasion had to spend hours, which um, can really add up for a buyer, educating the other attorney on. Um, what appropriate terms are, or how these matters are handled, or, or even worse, you can get an attorney who enables a party to take an extreme position um, that you know is not appropriate for that transaction. That really forces the, the 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 buyer to to reconsider the deal because the risk allocation is just so unreasonable for them. Um, that does have it happens very rarely, but um, I, I've seen that with, with some attorneys who really don't have experience in this space. Um, Another issue is style alignment that, um, you know, there's different attorneys and different business parties just have different styles about how they approach a transaction. Um, And there's some people who are, soft-spoken. There's some people who are loud. Um, There's some people who um, really want to start with aggressive terms because they just want to protect their client as much as they possibly can. There's others who are focused on getting a deal done and are much more willing to just start with reasonable terms or get to reasonable terms right away. And I think it's important for a buyer to understand, you know, what they're looking for. Are, Are you the type of person who really, you know, who really um, you know just wants to get a deal done as efficiently as possible, or are you the type of person who really wants to make sure that you're getting the best terms for yourself? Um, and are, are do you want to push really hard and you know potentially alienate the other party in order to improve your terms in a way that? you know, is best for you or um, are you willing to compromise and and how do you want to do that and when? And so a lot of attorneys have different styles on this. And I found a lot of, a lot of business buyers have different styles on this too. And, you know, certainly attorneys are flexible and it's their job to advocate for their client. But um, I think it's important to think about how you want to approach a transaction and how you approach negotiations and finding an attorney who um, aligns with that. And then the last big piece is experience in the market segment. Um, you know there's there's m a attorneys who work on um who generally work on on deals that are below a million dollars there's attorneys who work on deals that are in the seven figures there's attorneys who work on much bigger deals and you know experience on hundred million dollar deals is is certainly helpful but it, but an attorney who works on a hundred million dollar deal um is probably going to bring in more robust forms and um in a, a different approach um on a two to a million dollar deal and you might end up paying for that expertise and that and that more um, robust scope of representation. And um, part of it is on bigger deals that there's just so much more money at stake that it, it can be worth a bunch of money to dig down on into every last single issue. And a lot of attorneys who do work in, on, on much bigger deals, that's just how they are structured and that's how their law firms are. Um, whereas if it's a you know if it's a deal that doesn't quite have as much money at stake, you obviously want to be protected by your attorney and have good documents. But um, it's all but, but people who work on smaller deals know to focus on key issues, and that um, running down every last piece of due diligence um, is maybe not the best use of significant attorney time. So um, know the size of your deal and find someone who has experience on that size size of a deal, and, and a law firm that has experience on that size of a deal.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I think you know the expertise one. We always compare attorneys um, in these deals to like surgeons, right? You you don't want your cardiologist to be replacing your hip, and it's the same thing as like family law and transactional law. Very different segments of of the industry, and and you know, likewise on the the size too, because I, I think sometimes people are surprisingly shocked. Um, how I wouldn't say that legal advice in these size deals are is inexpensive, but it's not as expensive as you would think um, because there are firms like yours that specialize in the main street to lower end of the lower middle market where you're not paying, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars on attorneys, right? Because there's a different uh, legal set and there's different... Um, Types of uh, types of representation for a hundred million dollar deal versus a million dollar deal. So I think all great points, Jonathan. I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. You provide so much value um, to our office and our network. If someone wants to get in touch with you for further questions or to work on a deal together in Colorado, how would they reach you?
3: Uh, yes, I'm. I'm best, I can be reached either by by phone or by email. Um, our main office phone number is. 303-850-7080. Um, and I'm always available by email as well. It's Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at com, And the latter part is spelled I, Z is in zebra, B is in boy, I-K-Y-L-A-W.com.
0: Great. And we'll drop that information to the show notes as well. But Jonathan, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Welcome back everybody. And today for our deal of the week, I'm joined by Al Fiakovich, the co-owner and managing director of Transroll Business Advisors in Colorado. Al, welcome back to the show.
1: Jessica, thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you.
0: So you recently closed a business in the janitorial industry. Tell us a little bit about that business.
1: No problem. So this was a great business that had been rock steady for years. They had been in business for over 30 years.
0: Sounds like a good business. And who was the buyer for this transaction?
1: The buyer was another janitorial company, a company that was actually a little smaller that we had, we had multiple bids on this deal. And uh, they're basically going to double the, more than double their size with the, with this acquisition.
0: Sounds like a perfect growth opportunity for the buyer. So tell us a little bit about the numbers. What did the business sell for? What was the multiple? How was the transaction financed? All those good details.
1: The business sold for north of $3 million. It was an SBA loan, a little bit of seller carry, and mostly cash at close. It was, the multiple was about a little north of three and a half
0: good value on that business and good value for that seller. So if anybody is looking to sell or buy a business in the janitorial industry and would like to talk to you further about their transaction, how would they reach you?
1: The best way to reach me is phone 720-357-6853 or email al at tworlddenver.com.
0: Great. Well, thanks for joining us on the show, Al, and sharing us this deal.
1: Great to see you
4: hey welcome back everybody and we are again talking about what to know legally about selling your business uh kind of talking about it from the sell side and i have my dear friend uh an amazing attorney that's been doing deals with us longer than she wants to admit deborah carmen from carmen law group and firm and deborah welcome to the show again
2: Thank you, Andy. It's great to be on here again. And I've been doing this for almost 37 years now. So I've seen a lot of different things happen with sellers and a lot of things we can share with them so they can prevent it and have a very smooth closing.
4: Yeah. And so let's just start out by saying you need an attorney to close a deal, right? Why? I, I've seen sellers say, Oh, I don't need an attorney. Let the buyer have an attorney with Why does the seller need an attorney?
2: It's, Interesting to me that you bring that up, because every time I turn around, a seller says, well, I can just give them a bill of sale. It's very easy to do. We're going to shake hands. We're all going to have a nice honeymoon together. And and they don't even realize some of the intricacies that are involved in a business transaction. So it's the same thing that we find over here. You know, we have a title company as well. And people say, well, I don't need an attorney. I have a title company. And it all becomes the same thing. Do you want to make sure that you understand 100% what you're signing and getting into? Do you want to have someone that is there to protect your interests? Or do you want to really be on the other side of another attorney who is looking out for a buyer and not looking out for you? And this is your business. This is extremely important to you. You've spent a great deal of time to develop this business. And what I find after all these years is that sellers, this is their baby.
4: Yeah, it is their baby. They
2: spend a lot of time. A lot of time, a lot of interest. And, and that brings you to some parts over here about uh, what you do over at World is finding that right buyer for them. And that's so important for them because people realize that they've spent this much time. They don't want a buyer to come in and really give an issue to their business that they spent all this time developing. Yeah. And, and, and they, of uh, course, they want to be paid.
4: <laughs> yeah, they want to be paid. and But the second half of that is they... They, they're trying to get rid of a business, right? And, and for the years you've been taking risk as a business owner. And so you don't want that risk to continue. So I always look at it and say, listen, you want to make sure that you transfer those assets um, properly and the buyer has full control and is now liable moving forward, right?
2: You really want to make sure you do that, not just on the business, but on the lease, on other contracts that you might be assigning to them. You want to take that responsibility, and you want to be able to sleep at night. Once that business is sold, you don't want to have to worry for the next 10 years, 5 years, 7 years, wherever it's going to be, that there's going to be an issue It's going to wake you up in the middle of the night. You're going to have to hire an attorney here for litigation purposes. So you want to really have someone that's looking out, protecting your interests, and making sure here uh, that if there's financing involved, you're going to be paid properly. It's going to be collateralized property. If there's something involved over here, even if something like a non-compete, that you're going to be done, you're going to have it done properly, so you are not going to be in competition or be in breach. And that's a whole other you know, consideration people have as well when they sell their business. What am I doing here? Am I selling all aspects of my business? Is there some part that I want to keep? Is there something I want to carve out of a non-compete so I can continue here? Uh, maybe in an air conditioning business, I want to be an inspector. I don't want to compete with you directly, but I want to have an ability to still earn a livelihood. I don't want to have to retire totally. And then there's some people, Andy, that just want a job. Right. They have, uh, they bought the business cause they want a job and now they're selling the business and all they want to make sure of is that they're not going to be fired and that they have an agreement here that's going to pay them for all their expertise, but they don't have the headache of running the business on a day-to-day basis.
4: Yeah. Uh, And we've certainly seen that where, where sellers want to stay on either as a consultant or an employee, uh, uh, or, or they, like you said, they want to do something else. They want to go teach. They want to go consult. And, and if, you know, if you violate a non-compete and you have a note out there, you're probably not going to get paid. I mean, you know, you know, it it becomes a war and that's certainly the It,
2: It really does. It really does become a war And it's not something you wanted to do initially. You didn't, you know, figure it out. You didn't think about it properly. And I always refer to this kind of at a honeymoon stage of people. Everybody's very friendly together initially. And then as time goes on, you realize that there are nuances between buyers and sellers and that they don't get along as well down the road in many cases. And you want to have legal protections in, in, in place. And if you don't uh, have those legal protections in place, you're leaving yourself really in a naked and vulnerable position.
4: Right. And and you listen, there is some risk in selling your business. You're not going to be able to get the money. Uh, You're probably not getting all your money. Even if there's an SBA loan, there's usually a seller leave behind. If you have to own a finance it, you have to leave behind, you're probably going to have to stay on the lease, at least for the initial term of the lease or the remaining term of the lease. But again, having the proper representation is going to help you minimize those things, right?
2: Exactly. And what we call that is also not just representation, but proper documentation. And that's what really is involved here is to document your entire transaction so that it really fits your transaction and also fits what your requirements and your needs are if there's sba involved there's there's different types of documentation you have to understand there as a seller you have to understand uh all different you know aspects of forms and uh, agreements that you've signed in the past people don't realize too that many times they sign contracts and they don't transfer they're not assignable but a seller doesn't think about that and sometimes that leads us to not an asset purchase but a stock purchase just to go ahead and you know accomplish what the seller needs
4: yeah and, and, and talking you know, about accomplishing what you need and making sure that there's the proper uh, proper paperwork, it, yeah. it really is important to have an attorney that knows what they're doing, right?
2: I agree 100%. I have seen now litigation attorneys. I have seen personal injury attorneys. I've seen probate attorneys. I work with all aspects, all types of attorneys we want to get the deal closed, but it's important for you to feel protected and for you to be protected. You need to have an attorney that handles business transactions. And it's a really important difference. I see people who do real estate only and I do real estate as well, but they don't understand what it is to take care of a business and to properly document that sale. I get the weirdest uh, documents I've ever seen from someone that doesn't practice in business transactions. It doesn't protect you as a seller.
4: Right. And And that's
2: really what you need. But you really need help and guidance. And that's what we do, too. Just like you have a good business broker, and I know we're a trans world, you have the best over uh, at our firm. We do a lot of guidance with you, a lot of counseling with you, because it's important for you to know exactly what you're getting into and what you have to do to protect yourself down the road. Even something like insurance. I've seen people give you an example of vehicles. When they transfer a vehicle, they don't think about. What do I need to do with the insurance? Uh, I'm not taking care of uh, something maybe is there training involved, and I'm not going to have an effective date of a transfer for two or three more weeks. I have to keep that insurance on that vehicle. It's got to be done properly. Uh, Something is is people don't realize, too, uh, that you have to have named insurance. If you're going to be there as a consultant, you want to make sure that you're properly insured. So if anything does happen with that new buyer, you don't have a risk. People don't think about everything. That's what we do. We're we're paid to think about and make sure that all covers all, every all bases are covered, and that's really what we do.
4: Yeah, and, and and the other thing that I want to kind of highlight, and we were talking about this before we got on the got a, uh, started recording, uh, was that the sellers really need an, an an advocate, but they need to be honest with that advocate, right? They need to come forward because. There's a lot of things like tax liens and, and, and perhaps hidden litigation or pending litigation uh, or threatened litigation that they have, to, they have to come honest. They have to be honest up front.
2: They really do. And people have to understand that when I represent you as a seller, uh, what you say to me is in confidence. And you have to give me all the skeletons in your closet for me to protect you. If you leave a few of them out, they're going to come back later and potentially bite you. I am here to make sure I know everything about your business, everything about any liens that you do have. Sometimes you have to take those liens and you actually have to work to get them down to a level where you can sell your business. So I need to know what really is out there. I need to know if you've had problems with employees. I need to know if there's potential litigation coming in. I need to know if you are in litigation now. And I really need to know as quickly as possible because when I have a buyer right now, and most of the time sellers... Don't retain you until there is a buyer. Right. I only have a certain amount of time to take care of everything or the deal is going to fall. You know, and I know, you know, time kills deals and the more time it takes me to, to fix an issue, then that becomes an issue then for a buyer to stay interested in that deal.
4: Yeah, time does kill all deals. And we have a certain amount of time to get to close these deals before people lose interest and banks lose interest. I, you know, I, I, I know your husband is also a banker, and a specialist yeah. in SBA loans, so he even knows that you know when we're trying to put all these moving pieces together, uh, it's really important for the seller uh, to make sure that they understand legally what's going to happen, and 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 it and it's it is part of telling the story and warning them that there is some you know there is some liability post uh, owning a business, uh, but you know that's that's what you're getting paid for, right?
2: Exactly. And we try to minimize that and we try to educate our sellers. Some sellers say to me, for instance, that I have a right to work. It's a right to work state. And I have to explain to them that when you sell your business and you have a non compete, you cannot compete in that industry for the amount of miles you're restricted for. And people have a hard time sometimes wrapping their head around that. Uh, So everything has to be explained. And sometimes there's that rogue family member, Andy. And that rogue family member is the one you have to kind of keep an eye on because they cause an issue, uh, not only with a non-compete, but sometimes there's an issue even with employment. I remember one deal we had where the brother-in-law had to actually sign off, and it was a very difficult transaction. He couldn't stay with the business, but he'd been with the business for many, many years, and he had to sign off.
1: Right.
2: So people have to think about everything when they go to sell the business. And it's something that you've got to be very careful with. Even if you have a son or a daughter that's in your business right now, many times they're also going to be asked to sign a non-compete.
4: Yeah. I mean, you listen, we're trying to do good deals for good people. So the buyers, you know, deserve the right to be protected as well. And it needs to be a fair deal. And so... That's why we you need good representation, and so you did a great job of of kind of laying this out. We'll probably have to do we'll get you back on to talk about the buy side uh, eventually. But thank you, Deborah, for coming on today. I really appreciate all your insight. Hey, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that?
2: The best way would be to give me a call at uh, at our phone number of 561-392-7031. And thank you so much for having us, Andy. There's so many things I didn't even get to mention really about sellers and, you know, about uh, protecting them and taking care of them with landlords. But each, each phase of this deal, there's a lot of, uh, items that need to be taken care of to protect the seller.
4: Yeah. and, And there's a lot of paperwork involved. So thank you so much, Deborah. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Hey everybody. We're back, and it is Listing of the Week, and we have a very interesting listing. Uh, we have Tom Alana here from Rural Business Advisors of South Florida. Welcome back, Tom. Tell us a little bit about this. This is an interesting one.
5: Yeah, Andy. Thank you. Uh, nice to be here again. Uh, Andy, we have listed a mine. This is a 640-acre or one-square-mile property located southeast of Fort Myers. Um, Since 2003, it uh, it has been a sand and gravel mine. There's also a DOT grade of riprap. Riprap is the aggregate, the small rocks that they pull out of the mine. Uh, The property, uh, according to its appraisers and environmental inspections, have uh, about 8 million tons of sand and fill and about six and a half million tons of rock uh, reserves available. And um, like I said, this property is here in the South Florida area, just southeast of Fort Myers. And um, we have an asking price of $15 million.
4: Yeah, it sounds like a good deal. I mean, listen, they're not going to stop building anytime soon in Florida, right?
5: No, not at all. Uh, although you would consider this property kind of in the middle of nowhere, it is off of uh, one of the major highways off of Alligator Alley. It's north of Alligator Alley. And um, the overall property is zoned as a PUD. So eventually, maybe 20 years from now, it'll be a community. Uh, but right now, it's a great opportunity that uh, for someone wanting to get into the aggregate mining business.
4: And they have some equipment still, right?
5: There's approximately a million dollars worth of heavy equipment on the property.
4: And did we ask, did we say what they were asking for it?
5: Yeah, the asking price is $14,999,999.
4: There you go. Just under $15 million. Yes, sir. So it's a great listing. Uh, certainly something that someone might want to do a real estate play or understands the mining business. Tom, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
5: Uh, yeah, it's Tom Milana at uh, tom at tworld.com or 561.
4: Perfect. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com.